Good morning, good people. My name is Nikki J, and I'm your host of the Black Girl Budget Podcast. First of all, let me just say happy Black History Month. Happy Black History Month to everybody. Um, if you follow me on TikTok, you know that I've been giving out some Black history on different Black women specifically who were wealthy beyond their means Um during slavery, before and after. So definitely follow me on TikTok for part threes that are coming out and part twos that are coming out this this weekend and next week. Um I just I love the historical aspect of um black women who were very wealthy and what they were doing with their money, um, whether they were, you know, throwing parties for Duke Ellington or if they were just, you know, throwing money into the civil rights movement. Um, or anti-slavery and anti-lynching campaigns. So definitely check that out because black women have been out here making money, y'all. I know historically speaking, not a lot of us, but there are a few of us who have been millionaires. Well before being a millionaire was like a common thing. So definitely check that out. I'm very excited for today's episode because it's a topic that I don't talk about a lot. And that's kids. How do we deal with kids and finances Together as adults, um, you all know I don't have kids, but I often comment that kids are very expensive and that's why I don't have them. Um, It doesn't take a rocket scientist to know that kids are expensive and they need things and and that can be very costly, right? So today I want to give you all six tips on budgeting with kids Um, and like I need y'all to really use these tips because I've you know, kind of heard some of this and seen some of this through my financial journey and working with other people and talking to other people. Um, But first, let me just say, I I recently, um, what was like the beginning of this month, I was able to um, go out to St. Louis as the guest speaker for the Midwest Black Law Student Association's 54th convention. Had a great time, um, got to talk to some very bright and upcoming law students um, from all over the country. They were from, you know, different cities and different states, had a really good time. And so during the presentation that I gave, I was telling them, uh, you know, we had a professor in law school who said, you need to live like a law student while you're in law school. But some people will live like a lawyer while they're in law school. And so essentially what she was saying was, you know, don't come to law school And you're living in this really fancy apartment. You're living, you know, above your means by getting a new car and going out to dinner and buying clothes and, you know, all these things. Because for those of you who've ever gotten your uh, net check is what we called it or your financial aid in college, you know that they're giving you back like thousands of dollars at a time. And so it's kind of the same thing. You're in law school. You're getting back thousands. You're probably getting back twice as much in law school because it's so expensive. But you're getting back all this money, and so the first thing you want to do is is go spend it. And so this professor was telling us, you know, a lot of people want to spend their money, but you really can't afford to do that because these are student loans that you're spending, basically. And you want to live below or within your means, and then when you become a lawyer and you're making the money, then you can, you know, buy a little more, splurge a little more. And so I've always applied that to my life. Like, I have been living like a law student well after I became a lawyer. Um, And it, it has been challenging, but it has benefited me so, so much. I I can tell. 
if I had not lived like a law student well after I graduated, I would not be very far in my financial journey. And so I, I say that because during my presentation, there's a, a student who asks a question, you know, she says, I'm a mom, I have a son uh, who I believe was about 15. And she's like, how, how can I still be mother of the year while living like a law student in law school? You know, she's already saying that she's budgeting, she's living within her means or below, but she still wants to do things for her kids. Um, and, you know, I think it's, it's very common for all of us to want to provide the basic necessities for kids but also we want to give them a little extra. Specifically, we tend to want to give kids what we did not have as as kids. So um, I gave her a few tips. Uh, for the sake of time, I didn't give her, you know, my laundry list of tips, but just like the first couple of things I thought of. And so I know when people have kids, it's like, you're telling me, Nikki, you're telling me to budget. But I have two kids or three kids or one kid or four kids. How am I going to realistically budget and not, you know, break their little childlike dreams because we can't afford certain things or we can't do certain things? And so these tips are for people with kids who find themselves in that situation, people who don't have kids. If you're listening to this and you're like, I don't have kids, so this doesn't apply to me, this does apply to you. Because if you have kids, you can use these tips. But if you're also around people who have kids and you experience them engaging with their children about finances, you can also share these tips with them. I think a lot of times we forget how often we're either around kids or we're talking to people with kids. So even if you have a coworker that, you know, you talk to about kids or their family, these are good tips to implement. And you can also use these tips with other family members as well. So I'm going on and on. Let's just get into tip number one. You have kids and you can afford this. This this is a really big part. If you can afford to do this, give your kids a budget or an allowance. So when I was like from the ages of five to seven, I think, my brother and I had an allowance and my parents would give us $20 a month. Now, before y'all start laughing, this was in like the 90s and $20 a month for a five-year-old was a lot of, now that I think about it, that was a lot of money, actually. <laughs> that was a lot of money. I was basically Queen Elizabeth at the candy store. Like, listen, you get M&Ms, you get M&Ms, you, okay, I was Oprah throwing out now and laters to everybody. Um, it was a lot of money, but I quickly learned two things as a, as a five to seven year old getting bank, right, getting $20 a month. Number one, the more stuff you buy, the, the the quicker you won't be able to buy stuff. <laughs> and that was that was how my little brain came up with that. If I buy a bunch of stuff today, I won't be able to buy anything or not as much next week. So I quickly learned how not to spend all of my money in one place, right? Um, I also quickly learned how to count money. Like, I, I used to be like, wait a minute, where all my quarters went, you know? So um, as I'm getting this allowance, my parents are, are teaching us lessons, but I'm also learning my, in my own little tiny mind. I'm learning lessons as I'm spending my money. Um, I also learned to 
put my money up, but not to hide it from myself. I used to lose my money all the time. And by lose, I mean I would hide it in such good places that I would forget where I hid the money. So so those are like three lessons that I quickly learned myself just by virtue of someone handing me money and saying, here you go. Do with it what you please. And so I, it, it did not take me long to stop losing my money and it did not take me long to stop spending my money so quickly. So so giving your kids an allowance will definitely allow them to learn more about money and how they're spending money. And if you incorporate a budget into that, it's even better. So you give them, you know, $20 a month or 20 well, I shouldn't say $20 because that's nothing now, but but let's just say you give them like 50 bucks a week or something like that. Hey, this is your allowance. Let's create a budget for you, right? So you're getting $50 a week. If they want, if you know, and decide what is going to come out of that allowance. Do they have to pay for their own school lunch? Do they have to buy stuff that they see at the grocery store or in the gas station? What exactly are they using their money for? Um, when my niece and nephews get money, we don't make them spend it on anything, but uh, when it's time for like Christmas and birthdays for their parents or their siblings, we will get the little money out of their envelope and take them to the dollar store and say, all right, your money is going to buy a gift for whoever's birthday it is. Um, or we might take them to Target or Walmart or something so that they can get a gift. But talk to them about what their money is expected to buy. Hey, here's your $50. During the week, anything that I did not buy from the grocery store, anything that you see um, when you're out with your friends, if you want to go to the movies, your $50 is going to buy that. Okay, have an up uh, upfront conversation with them so they know what they should be spending their money on. The second thing is this. Open a bank account for your kids. I've opened up. So I have three nephews and a niece and I opened up a bank account for my niece first. She's the oldest. And um, we used to always talk about, you know, how much money was in her account. She'd be like, oh, my gosh, how much money do I have in my account? How much money do I have? To date, she's actually got $1,300 in her account. And every month I put $50 into her account. So she's always excited to talk about it. Well, originally, I could only really afford to put money in her account. So we would always talk about it. And then my nephew comes up to me. He's like, hey, I want a bank account. Y'all always talk about how she got money. Let me get some money. So I was like, okay, asking you shall receive. But of course, at this time, I could actually afford to get him a bank account. So, so, and when I say afford, I mean open one and put money in it. So I opened up him a bank account, and I believe he's got about five hundred and fifty dollars in his bank account. Well, then my other nephew comes up to me. He's like, hey, you always talk about how these people got money. I also want money, and I want to talk about how much money I have. Can I get a make account? At the time, I couldn't really afford a third person on payroll, so so um, I I told him to wait a little bit, and I've recently opened up a bank account for him, and so he's just started. He's got $50 in his account. So, you know, they're very excited about having a bank account. Do they quite understand, you know, what all goes into it? Not really. But what they do understand is I have a bank account. I have a safe space for my money to be. And my bank account is growing and getting bigger every month. And I can talk about how much money I have. Now, what's important about opening a bank account for your kids is showing them 
the money that they have in their bank account. Don't just open it and then never talk about it. Show them that they have a bank account. Here's how much money is in your bank account. Did you collect interest on that bank account this month? Here's the bank that you bank with. Now, obviously, you want to be cautious about giving kids too much of their financial information so they're not, you know, sharing it with the world. Hey, guys, my bank account number is blah, blah, blah. You don't want to give them that much. But you can pull up the app and show them the balance in their account. You can show them that you haven't taken any money, that you've only put money into it. But whatever you do, when you open a bank account for them, make sure it is their money. So the money in the bank account for my niece and nephews, I do not touch that money. I have no intention. It's not my money. I'm literally, I'm just the conduit housing it and I just make sure that more money goes into it. If other family members want to put money into it, I will gladly transfer and then I will screenshot them a picture if I can. But it's their money. I'm not touching it. So make sure you set that boundary as well. It is not a bank account that you are going to transfer money back and forth between for your spending. It's their money. Make sure that they know that. The third tip is incorporate your kids into financial decision making when it's appropriate. I, like, I think this really drives me crazy that people do not like incorporate their children to make it a fun situation. And I probably could say this a little better, but, you know, bring your children into some, not all, some of the financial decision making that you're doing and explain it to them. Right. Sometimes we we think the kids are not ready to talk about finances, but as soon as they start asking you about money, oh, they are ready to talk about it. Like they're ready to learn because they're curious. They're inquiring as to, you know, why did we do this and not this? Why didn't we buy this? But we bought that. Why didn't we buy something at all? You know, incorporate them into the financial decision making. So talk to them about spending money versus saving money versus investing money. Those are three different things, but you can talk to them about why you didn't spend money on, you know, ice cream at the store. I didn't get us ice cream because instead I got us marshmallows and the marshmallows are more budget friendly. You know, use positive words as well. You don't have to say, um, well, we just can't afford that and we're going to come back to that. So, so we'll come back to that. But, you know, talk to them about why spending one way is better than maybe spending another way. Talk to them about saving money you know we didn't go buy a new car this week because we still need to save maybe another 500 or a thousand dollars we're not spending too much money because we're investing what is investing how do we invest you know talk to them about the different moves that you're making when it's appropriate i get that not every financial decision is appropriate for children but give them you know throw them a little carrot here and there so they understand why the household is run the way it is run or why we're making the decisions we're making the other thing that you could talk to your kids about is four-year college versus community college and student loans specifically why is four-year college more expensive why is community college the more um, budget-friendly or affordable option right now and then talk to them about in-state tuition Versus out-of-state tuition. And these are decisions that are typically going to affect your children directly because they want to go to, you know, schools in-state or out-of-state. But talk to them about why one might be more beneficial down the road 
than the other, why one might be more beneficial right now than the other. And you can do that from a financial perspective. Hey, I know you really want to go to that school in Wyoming, but it's going to be, you know, maybe a little more expensive than the school in our home state. Also, if you're listening from Wyoming, please comment because that's just like one of the furthest states I could think of at at the moment. Um, But, you know, talk to them about why certain decisions that they will make um, should be X instead of Y or, you know, why it might be more financially sound for them to buy this tux as opposed to another tux for prom or homecoming from literally from the ages of when they can talk all the way until they have their own kids. You should always be talking to your kids about financial decision making because it will build up their confidence as they grow up. The fourth thing that that we're circling back to is do not traumatize your kids about finances. I don't even understand why I do, but I think it just, it bothers me because I know we can do better. So I've worked with people and I've talked to people on, on Instagram who have DM me. I also have people who email me directly through the Black Girl Budget website um, asking for advice and tips and stuff like that. And one common thing, one common thing that I always see is the parents. And they're, like, there's always some aspect of a person's parents like being a factor into how they make decisions financially today or don't make decisions today. But one thing I've noticed is that we tend to t- traumatize kids about finances. And so that might look like this. Child comes up to you and says, oh, my gosh, mom, I really want to buy whatever, the new PS." for xbox for i don't even know what game system they're on the most expensive one i really want to get that one and we might say no we can't afford that right but we do it in like this really negative way and it's very harsh and it comes out very fast and we have to recognize that our kids see something on tv and they want that thing or they see that their friend has it and they want that thing or family is doing it and they want to do it But when we respond so fast and so harsh and we're saying we can't afford that, money doesn't grow on cheese, where do you think we're going to be able to get the money? Or I have other, you know, we just have like this really sharp tone. It comes out really fast and it's really harsh. But we have to remember, we don't need to respond to kids from an emotional place, right? Sometimes we're so wrapped up in the emotion of the question or the emotion of the implication that we're just responding because we feel guilty that we can't afford it. We feel like a failure that we can't afford it. Or we feel personally attacked that we can't afford it. And so our response to children who have no idea about the emotions that we are feeling is to be very harsh, to be very blunt, and to just kind of blow them off. Change the narrative, right? Don't traumatize kids so that they don't feel comfortable talking to you about money or finances or buying things, let them know, hey, I I understand that you want the newest PS4 or PlayStation. I understand that you want it, but we can't afford it just yet. Or, hey, why don't we make it a goal for you to save up to purchase it? You save up half, I'll throw in the other half. Or if you, you know, if you can get five other family members to throw in some money, boom, we'll get it, you know. Make it something for them to look forward to and for them to work toward. But we need to get out of the habit of just automatically responding to children in a way that is just going to end the conversation. 
I get that some financial conversations are going to be very challenging and difficult because we personally feel some emotion that is very strong in response to that question. But when we respond so harshly, we are basically telling children, don't ask me about money. Don't ask me about finances. Don't ask me about anything that you don't see me actually buying because I don't want to talk about it. And that's not going to be very healthy, right? Kids are going to start associating negative emotions with finances and money. And by the way, I am not a therapist whatsoever. I'm just, I'm telling you what I have learned from working with so many people. Um, so tip number five, and it kind of goes in with tip number four. Don't be shy to talk about topics that you're not fully versed on, right? Learn and grow with your children together. So if your kid comes up to you and says, hey, I want to know about investing in a Roth IRA, you might not know. Or you, you might be like the president of the Roth IRA Investing Association. I don't know. But if you don't know what your child is talking about, we literally have a computer in our hand at all times. There's no reason that you can't just take a few minutes to Google it and learn together and grow together. Or you could tell your child, you know, I actually don't know how to invest in a Roth IRA. I have no idea what that is. Why don't we take a few minutes this week to just sit down and kind of Google together what we find and then have that conversation. Hey, I just saw this article. It says that a Roth IRA allows you to do this and you can put in $6,000. And if you have a job, you can open one. And then start talking, like you're creating this environment where asking questions won't be turned away, but also we're going to look at the information together. And you don't have to do this for an hour, right? There's so much information you can get off of Google in like 10 minutes that it's insane. So just spend some time with them Googling and researching the questions that they have, but you aren't necessarily, you know, the most well-versed person to discuss it or reach out to the resources and the family members who you know are a wealth of knowledge that would not have an issue discussing this with your child. Um, that's something that my parents always did. If we had a question and they either didn't have the full answer or they knew someone who was doing the thing or who knew all the information, they would set up a lunch or a brunch or dinner or we would pop over like, hey, Nicole has questions about X. Can you talk to her about this? Um, and they were really good about that. And so I, now I have the same habit. If I want to know something, I will reach out to a person and be like, I see you doing a thing that I want to do. How you did that? And so you you really want to instill that in your kids. If I don't know, I'm not going to push you away. We're going to learn and grow together. And then my last tip for you all is share your financial mistakes with your children. This is like a two part. Share your financial mistakes with your children. My parents love to do this and we joke about it all the time like they probably got like a top 10 story list that every every year they just pull back out well you know that one time we co-signed for somebody you know that one time we helped somebody buy. you know like they have the top 10 stories that they always bring out just to remind us these were our financial mistakes you don't have to make them because it ended poorly right my parents are always like, listen, we used to have so many credit cards. It was ridiculous, right? But at the time, credit cards were heavily pushed. They were glamorized. And it was just like the thing to do. You opened your wallet and you had a bunch of credit cards, not knowing the financial implications of having so many, using so many, not paying them off when you should be. And so that's the story that they would always pull out and remind us, 
hey, you're getting all these letters in the mail about opening credit cards. But remember when we used to have all those credit cards? <laughs> so, so, you know, share your financial mistakes with your children. Now, let's get to the second part of this. Your children are going to do what they want to do anyway. And this is so important. Like, I need to make a part two because there are so many tips that I have for this. Your children are going to do what they want to do anyway. Let me be the first person to tell you. You're going to tell them about your financial mistakes and how they negatively affected you and what happened. And then I, I guarantee at least five of you listening to this, your child is going to go out and make that same financial mistake anyway. And so here's part two of this tip. Share your financial mistakes, but give your children room to make their own mistakes. Even if it is the same exact mistake that you have been telling them, it's not worth it. I've already done this. You don't need to do this. I'm telling you how it's going to end. Let them make their own mistakes. Some of us learn much better and much faster from doing it themselves. Like if if I do it myself, I'm going to get the lesson. But if you tell me about it, well, I might not get the lesson as quickly or, or the lesson might not be instilled the way I need it to be instilled. So let them make their own mistakes. And when they come to you and say, mom, dad, grandma, guardian, auntie, cousin, whoever, I did the thing that you told me not to do and now I need help or assistance. That's not really the time for you to say, well, what the heck? I told you not to do it and then you did it. And but, Hey, man, I'm coming to you because I need help. I've already told you that I've made the mistake. I, I have now learned that I shouldn't do that anymore. Can you help me in this situation? And so even though you tell people, this is the financial thing I did, it, you know, ruined my credit score. Yeah, it has serious financial implications, but you cannot force people to not make their own decisions because you know how it's going to end. Let them make their choices, let them make their decisions. And then from there, you help them bounce back, right? Obviously not to your detriment, obviously not to their detriment, but you help them bounce back appropriately. And then once the situation is taken care of, then you share with them. Okay, now you share with me what was your mistake. What could you have done better? How can you use this story to help your children in the future or your friends or your family members, right? How can you um, learn and grow from this situation? So you want to share your mistakes, but give your children room to make their own mistakes. And don't be so upset with them when they make those decisions and then they ultimately come to you and need help. Again, Go back through these same tips that I've already given you. Help them get themselves on a budget with an allowance. Make sure that they have the correct bank accounts open for them. Do you have a checking? Do you have a high yield savings account, right? Talk to them about their financial decision making. How are you spending your money? Are you saving your money? Are you investing your money? And then work with them. Help them, right? When we find out the kids have made a mistake and we just start snapping and going off on them, that's traumatizing, right? Like we're creating a sense of, you can't come to me or trust me to help you and work with you and grow with you through this situation. We don't want to traumatize kids. And then we don't want to shy away from topics that we don't know. Your child comes to you and says, listen, somebody scammed me out of money and they talked about, you know, X, Y, Z investment. And I was supposed to, we're not going to shy away from it because we're unfamiliar. We're going to take our time, to do some research and then we're going to learn and grow and work through the situation together. And then ultimately, we're going to let them continue to make their own financial decisions. So those are my six tips. If you all have more tips um, when it comes to children and budgeting, please drop a comment because I, like 
the way we talk about money with kids is so important because those kids are going to grow up to be the next group, generation, whatever of, you know, financial decision making people. And you want to know that your kids are going to make good financial decisions as adults on behalf of themselves, on behalf of any future dependents they may have, on behalf of their partners that they may have. So drop some tips in the comments if you all have some. Um, how do you work with your kids? And when it comes to budgeting and finances, drop that as well in the comments. Um, if this episode helped you and you're going to incorporate some of this, please like and comment as well. Um, those are my six tips for today. But I'm honestly feeling like I'm going to have to do a part two to this episode because there are so many ways that you can work with your kids to teach them how to make good financial decisions and to build up that confidence around money, financial topics and spending and saving and investment. So I hope you all enjoy this. Happy Saturday as always, and share this podcast episode with your family, your friends, your coworkers, your frenemies. There's no such thing as sharing too much. Also, we have over 8,000 downloads on the podcast. We are so close to 10,000. Like, keep listening, keep sharing, keep downloading. And I want to give a shout out to a couple of new countries that our podcast is in. We are in Somalia, Ghana, Faroe Islands. Um, hey. We're also in Germany. I can't remember if Germany's always been on our list, but I used to live in Germany. So shout out to y'all. Um, we are in Algeria, Singapore, South Korea, Denmark, and Mauritius. So welcome to the group chat, y'all. I hope you all are enjoying the podcast thus far. Um, definitely go back and check out some of our earlier episodes in season two because we talked about the necessities for success this year. We talked about being dedicated to our goals. Um, we talked about having food at home, prioritizing our goals, quantifying our goals, and then organizing our finances as well. So check out those earlier episodes. I promise you guys will love them and the tips are fire. Um, I'm biased because I'm giving those tips, but the tips are fire. So definitely check those out. And as always, I can't wait to talk to you all next Saturday. Happy Black History Month. We'll talk soon.